Hi, y'all. I'm Amy. And I'm Jess. And we are two sober women committed to helping you live an optimized life. This show is about stories and strategies to help you optimize your health, your relationships, and your businesses. We focus on keeping it simple and having fun. Hi, y'all. It's Amy and Jess, and we are here to talk about a rather deep and profound topic that we don't talk about enough in, in, in my world. I, I don't believe that we talk about this enough and it's, and it's grief and death and life and experiencing like all of the things that come along with this experience, this very real, very human experience that we all feel. And I feel like I experience little mini deaths throughout the day. And especially with the work that I do and that Jess does, like, you know, it's like, whoa, like I, I just saw something die. So something else could come to life. And so I um, want to, you know, how, if you're listening while you're driving right now to maybe spend a moment to put your hand on your heart and, and know that like you're held in this and like, we get it. And we're going to share our experiences of, of grief and, and also the profound joy that comes with the celebration of life. So um, however you need to take care of yourself, get your weighted blanket out, whatever feels good to you, a nice warm cup in your hands. And if you're driving, take a few grounding breaths and we look forward to sharing this with you. Yeah, thank you so much for kicking us off, Amy. I This is a topic that I am feeling so deeply right now. And I'm just really excited to dive into this with you because you've just been such an instrumental part of me, you know, grieving over these last couple weeks and leading up to it. And so I'm just, yeah, this is just very timely on so many levels. So let's dive in. And again, we're going to get really personal here and, um, and just know, like Amy said, that, that you're held, you're held in this because we are going through this together, a lot of it. And so um, just know that. And when I was preparing for this episode, I just had, I had so, um, of course, the range of emotions and so much fun um, kind of laying this out. And one of the things that, that came up for me is that death and, un and unconditional love are entirely interdependent, right? And you can't have one without the other. And that is like the, the, the gift of this life. And the degree to which we can open our heart to that, that dying and death is in direct correlation to our ability to experience unconditional love. And when you think about it that way, it's so, so powerful. And the reality is at some point, we're going to lose every, everything that we want to hold on to. And if we want to live, really, truly live in peace and in happiness, we're going to have to really take refuge in that truth. So while, you know, all these things are a part of life, we see it like Amy was saying daily um, throughout just our, our life experiences, the birth, the change, the death, it's all part of the cycle of life. But the thing is, is like the evolutionary process has evolved us to resist change, right? Our nervous system has evolved in a way to protect us and keep us safe. 
And so the big question is, how do we open ourselves up to that inevitable change that we have no control over that um, given that evolutionary resistance? And so I would love to hear from you, Amy. Uh, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, and this is, this is going to get juicy again. So, yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about the nervous system in a way that maybe will land in a different way for you this time that you listen about it, right? Like it's designed to keep us safe. And when, even though we know that things are going to end, like life is going to end, relationships are going to end, courses are going to end, podcasts are going to end. There's still so much resistance to the sensation of ending, of something having to die, um, so something having to end. I don't like for a series on Netflix to end. <laughs> I will tease it out because I am like, oh, I really like, like those people. I want to keep watching them. So to bring some brevity to it, it's like, <laughs> that is real for me. But I know that like how I expand my nervous system to be able to hold that is I will literally like start watching something else so that when I say goodbye to the characters on Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm ready to let them go so I can let something else new in. And that's the beautiful part of it. Our nervous systems are going to bring every sensation to make it stop, to make it go away. And this is when people lean into alcohol, lean into sugar, lean into drugs, lean into other people, gambling, sex, medication, all of the escape mechanisms. And, you know, the more powerful thing, and, and, you know, Jess and I can both speak as conscious sober women, the more powerful thing that I have learned in my lifetime. And I know when I experienced my first real death, which I considered of my mother, my grandmother who raised me, you know, and, and she died when I was in seventh grade. And, and I remember um, putting myself in the closet. Like we had the sliding doors in the closet and I literally would, she had these little, oh gosh, woo. Um, she had these little pink slippers that I think I've even talked about on the podcast before. And I would put those on my little feetsies and I would just curl up in a ball and put myself in the closet. And that was the only place I felt safe to grieve because I didn't know how to emote and how to express my nervous system wanted to, but instead I went into a freeze kind of, uh, protective response and literally put myself in a, this tiny closet, um, which felt really safe, but it didn't give me the, the ability to grieve that. And so, um, so much of the grieving has happened since I've become, you know, very conscious in the last seven years. Um, so, you know, this, that we can go in so many different directions with this. And I want you to understand, like, it makes sense that your nervous system does not want you to feel that. And it's designed to do that. But how do we expand into that sensation? Because it's actually a very beautiful thing to allow to move through you. Um, the, the freedom's on the other side of that and more love. And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor. What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable, mend your fractured relationships, 
and establish healthy daily routines. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test so your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery. For tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit soberlink.com forward slash thrive. So good. The freedom and love is on the other side of that. Thank you so much for sharing about, about all of those things. And the Netflix thing really makes me laugh with you because <laughs> I forgot you told me that, um, that yeah, you don't like to watch the, e the ending episode for that reason. That's so funny. Um, and I love you. And, and, you know, this all reminds me, it brings me back to um, when I did my first 10 day silent meditation retreat and so much of the type of meditation that you do during that um, type of a retreat is something called Vipassana, which is all about scanning your body for sensations. And before that, I had no idea how to feel in my body. Um, and that was the beginning of like learning how to feel the sensations. I still didn't quite know how to articulate them. And, and, and it's, that's something I think about and, and really strive to expand on a daily basis, but that was really the beginning. And I remember it, it, they would repeat these two words over and over again in the discourses and in the meditation and I didn't know what they meant at the time. And one of them was equanimity and the other one was Anicca. And I, of course, like, I was like, what are they saying? What is that? But these two words are so relevant when it comes to processing grief and loss, right? And so equanimity is all about having that mental calmness and evenness of temper, especially in difficult times, which doesn't mean you're just you know, um, a zombie during these situations, but just like having the, the, the resilience, the capacity to hold it. Right. That's kind of what I think about equanimity. And then a Nietzsche, this is something I love this, this word and what it means. And it means it's the concept that nothing stays the same and everything is always changing. And for those of us that, um, don't like change, we like order. I'm speaking for myself. Uh, this is a word that I try to think about every single day because it is, I mean, everything's changing. We're getting older, situations are changing, everything around us is changing, especially these last couple of years, it's happened even quicker. And so, you know, that, that idea of impermanence and change um, and, and really our relationship with, with that determines whether or not we are suffering or whether or not we're free, which is exactly how what you just said too. And I love that. So the, the, the sooner we're able to um, kind of make peace with that, the freer we will be. Right. And I know, you know, this year, this year and a half through the pandemic, I mean, we've really, we've, we've experienced a lot of collective trauma together I mean, we've witnessed the greatest mass casualty event of our lifetime. And at this point, you know, it's like one out of every 500 people. We know people who have been touched by this, right? And so, you know, that's something that 
is is happening now, we can collectively feel that there's a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of mourning in that. Um, that is something I know I tap into and feel on a daily basis. The other thing like I tap into, and Amy and I talk about this a lot because it just, it touches me so deeply is my heart hurts for the earth. Like it literally hurts for the earth and all of its living inhabitants. And, you know, as we're seeing all these destructive things happening in, in quicker cadence. Um, and just, I really tap into that in terms of grieving um, and feeling that loss as well. And I will say um, too, you know, I had a personal, a really personal death that happened a couple weeks ago. And we had to put down our two, our two shelter dogs, which were 16 and 17. And those dogs were our kids. You know, we've had them since we've been married. One of them in particular, and I don't know about you all, but if you, if you all have kids or pets, multiple of them, do you have a favorite? Please tell me I'm not alone in that. You know, I loved both of them. But one of them, I just really felt like he was my soulmate. And it, sometimes I feel like Ryan, my husband, um, we we met so he could, you know, find him and introduce me to him. <laughs> His name is Benson. And so, um, yeah, I we lost them um, last week. And so this is just something that's really real and raw for me. And I'm just so grateful because one of the biggest gifts of choosing, you know, a sober conscious life is the ability to be able to feel in this full range and in color, right? And just to know when, when all of it comes up, the love, the happy, the sad, the angry, the fear, the excitement, all of it, um, that, that I can feel into that without needing to find a numbing mechanism. And that has really been one of the gifts of, of living this lifestyle. And, you know, seven years ago, things were very black and white, all or nothing. Um, and any sort of emotion that would come up, happy, sad, any of them, it would be met with some sort of a sledgehammer of a substance. <laughs> and that was my life for many, many years, decades. And um, it was because I didn't want to sit in the, in, in the emotions. I didn't want to have to sit in the nervous system, um, discomfort of that. Right. And so through, through doing this work that we talk about on the podcast, you know, I've been able to walk through this very dark time, um, that, that should have been really dark, but it's actually, I I'm feeling really, it's hard to even put into words, but I'm surprised of how, I don't want to say quickly, but, um, but I'm, I'm really sitting in the love that I got to experience the life with them. And so that has just been a really profound thing to witness over the last, um, you know, couple of weeks. And so again, I'm just so grateful to have had, you know, a clear and present mind through all of this. And, uh, and yeah, so I would love to hear Amy, what, what has no one taught you about feeling through loss and grief? Where, where do you think we're missing some components mm. of support as humans in this area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm going to mirror back to a few things that I heard. One is like, we're taught that it should be a very dark time. And actually, if we go back and look at how, uh, you know, we did this 
in earlier in our generations and in native cultures and cultures where we, you know, we, we lived more in community. Um, it was a celebration. Now, yes, the grief was there, but there was rituals and there was holding of this, of this container of, of celebration of all of the gifts that someone brought to the community simultaneous to like, we'll meet, we'll miss them. And then we're going to pass these gifts on, right? Like there was a shaman and there was a medicine person and um, there was, there, we did it different. And so is it supposed to be dark? I don't know. I, I, that's one of the things that we're taught that we're conditioned to that, you know, colonization and all of the things like that we're really looking at as our earth is burning and flooding and, and all of the things around us, all of our animal friends are hurting. Like, you know, when my girlfriend said to me the other day, like, we're not doing so great as humans. <laughs> I was like, no, we're not. And, you know, I have the gift of working with people all over the world. And it's not different in other countries, like this, this collective pain that we're feeling. Um, and I think that one of the big things that we're not taught is, is to allow it. You know, we're, it, because it's so uncomfortable for the adult in the room um, as children to watch the discomfort of the child because you can't hang in that sensation. Then we're taught at such a young age to zip it up and not emote. And we talked about this. We talk about this often on our on our podcast because that's where so much of this starts. And so one of the things that I was taught is that it should happen in this one day and all the grieving should happen in this one day. Like when you go to the funeral and you see the person like all lifeless and shit, and then you go home and you eat a bunch of barbecue and then you go on with your life and, um, you know, or you go to the Catholic church and you do all these things. But like, really what I wanted to do was like, talk about her. Like, I just think about my grandma, you know, like I wanted to, to, I wanted to be held. I wanted to understand more, you know, there's just so much that we aren't taught about grieving. And, and I want to take this into the more of the micro as well, because when a relationship ends, you know, this is one of my areas of expertise and, and I struggled with it most of my life. Like, you know, I held on to one relationship for like over 20 years in my life that he was always in the background because he was preventing the impact of actually feeling what it would feel like to be alone. And it wasn't until, you know, I really truly stepped into sobriety that I was actually really alone, like no backup plan, no nothing. And so that's why, you know, over the last several years where I've chosen to be consciously single, it was very much on purpose to deeply grieve all of those relationships that I had not grieved before because I didn't want to feel that sensation. So I had a, I had a backup plan. I had somebody I could fuck. I had somebody I could, you know, entertain me and not to say that like, that's not okay. Cause it is, but I also, for my experience needed to go deeply into that. And no one teaches us that they teach us to comfort ourselves to toxic positivity you know, to put on a happy face, to smile, to put on the cute dress, to go out in the world and do the thing. And it's like, fuck that. Like, if you need to wail, if you need to emote, like, that's okay too. And even if it's about that, like, your business didn't, 
hit its numbers this month or that your children aren't going to make it into the, you know, advanced programming that you want them to be in or that your kid has decided that they want to, you know, right now the big thing, a big thing that a lot of my clients um, are dealing with is like their children don't want to be who they are and they want to choose a different gender. And that's a whole grieving process in itself. So there's so many big things happening and can we allow all of that emotion to be there? So we weren't taught a lot growing up. Yeah. And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor. What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable, mend your fractured relationships and establish healthy daily routines? Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test so your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery. For tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit soberlink.com forward slash thrive. Ooh, so, so good. And I'll just, I'll piggyback on that too, because, um, you know, last week it was last, well, it was two Mondays ago and um, we put the dogs down and I will say that the emotions were this full range, right? It was um, you know, relieved, it was sad, it was happy, it was, you know, happy that they were no longer suffering, right. But it was also like deep connection with my partner. And, um, you know, really feeling like I was held in in love in a way that um, it's just so hard to even articulate. And, and, uh, you know, he's not, he's not the most um, touchy feely, my husband, Ryan, and I love you if you're listening to this. I don't know if he does. <laughs> um, but he came when we walked in the door, he 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 said, come here. And he gave me the longest hug. And that just I mean, that'll be a hug that I remember forever. Like it was just that simple and that meaningful in that moment. And um, it almost brings me to tears. And I'm just like so grateful that he is my partner and that he is the person that I get to experience this, this magical, whatever this is <laughs> with him and, um, and feel to have witnessed him with the dogs all these years. He was just such a great dog dad. Right. And so, you know, here is this full range of, you know, I miss him, miss them. I miss them. Um, you know, all these full range of, of emotions and, and feeling like, wow, yeah, it is more of a celebration of life. We've had them for 16, 17 years. We've gotten to experience so much with them. And I love what you just shared about, um, you know, the traditionally, yes, this, this funeral, this weird set of traditions that, that accompany that. And I'll, I'll never forget too. And again, like my father-in-law, when he passed away, had some of the most profound impact on my life. And I've shared that on other podcasts, just that, you know, they were right about to retire and 
Um, you know, he passed and that was when they were going to live their life, right? He had worked all of his life. There are a couple, he was a couple months out of retirement and they're about to go move out back out to the family farm and, and retire and he died. Right. And so that was another like aha moment to make sure we are living the life we want to live now and not, not at some arbitrary point in time, but you know, his, the ritual of his funeral was so bizarre to me. Um, and when I think back at that, at that whole whole process. Um, it did, it almost took away from just the magic of those last few days that we had with him in hospice. And, you know, it, it immediately went into, you know, how many cars are driving in the procession? Um, how many people are showing up? Who Who's here? It was so bizarre. And again, like, I really didn't have any anything to compare it with, but I was like, this is really weird. Why are we doing any of this? <laughs> and uh, again, it's just because we go through the motions based on what our parents and their parents did. And, and I loved how you, you brought in the, you know, the native tribes and what they used to do. And I was literally thinking today, as I was brushing my teeth, if somebody gave, gave me the option to go back to living a life that the American Indians lived, would I take that? And um, I was like, heck yes, right? Because it's just this more integrative, more conscious, more sustainable, more um, so many things way of life. And, and it reminds me too, because in the history books, uh, you know, a lot of um, this really like spoke to me, like nobody ever defected, like the Indians didn't ever defect over to like, you know, the, the people who invaded them, right? Like that lifestyle was never um, something that was appealing to them, but people, the, the, the people that came here actually defected over to their way of life all the time, right? Because it was just more, anyways, I'm getting off on the tangent there, but it's, it just seems like a more holistic way of, of living life, including the birth, death, the whole cycle, right? So yeah, feeling that full range of emotions. And then the other thing too, and I think it's so interesting in our country, well, you know, even in a pandemic, people don't have sick days, but people really don't have any days off when somebody passes away, right? So, I mean, we don't have that time, that time to really, um, you know, grieve and mourn and whatever that celebrate, whatever that looks like for you, right? So I think, you know, if we don't take the time to do that, it doesn't just go away, right? It's, it gets trapped in our bodies and it waits there until we have some, some time to process it. And so, you know, that, that's one of the other things that keeps coming up for me too. It's like, I'm so grateful. I have this life of flexibility and freedom. And I was talking to you, Amy, you know, and I said, I don't think I can really work. And you're just like, take the week off. And I'm like, oh yeah, I work for myself. And I basically did that. And it felt really good to not have to answer to anybody. So that that's another thing. And then um, something else that, that has been truly profound um, for me was my first ayahuasca ceremony. And so much of that ayahuasca ceremony was around, you know, this one dog that I have so much connection to. And I remember one of the things coming out of that ceremony was, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to see this, this being again at some point. And, um, it really is the celebration of the time that we got to spend in this life form together. I mean, it was so surreal coming out of ceremony, but that was exactly what I was, I was thinking about through a lot of that, 
that journey. And uh, so it's just cool. I think that really probably helped. I think that helped helped me to be able to process this in a way that I probably couldn't have processed it without it. And then, you know, to see that, you know, the, the, the ayahuasca and psilocybin and MDMA and all these things, they're, they're like in peer reviewed journals now to help with this, this stuff. Right. So I think that's one more tool in our toolbox um, you know, to, to be able to help, to be able to help with, uh, you know, coping with this sort of change in our life. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And it is, it's a, it's change and the nervous system is going to, you know, reject that change at first. Um, I think that sometimes the harder part is that when we do have that bereavement time as well, that we don't know what to do because our world goes so fast. And, you know, as someone who went fast for a whole life and is currently practicing and has been, you know, as a conscious sober woman, like slowing down. And when we slow down, we feel more. And if we don't feel like we have the capacity, you know, with all of the, the plant medicines and, and the ways to open our consciousness. In my opinion, the most important part of that is the integration afterwards. And I, and I believe that grief, it, it, integrating that change into your life is also very much like that, right? It's like, oh, you know, um, when, when your partner passes or the dogs pass, or, you know, like when you actually have that type of grief that you're that you're working through, or even, you know, changing jobs, all the things like you're going to have remembrances of them. You're going to smell things. You're going to get activated in your nervous system with a feeling. And can you take the time to let that really pass through you? You know, and sometimes it's 90 seconds. Sometimes it needs a little bit more time. Sometimes it needs a whole session around it, you know, with your mentor, with your guide, with your therapist, whatever it is. Um, sometimes it just needs a, a good, like, you know, a great song and all the windows down. Um, there's so many different ways to allow that, but it is going to happen and you're safe to feel it. You know, like that's the thing. Yeah, I feel so much of that because that's been the last week and a half for me and just really giving myself that that space to, to, to take a break, to slow down, to really feel into it, to cry when I want to cry, to go and hug my partner when I want to go and hug him and, and really express, you know, my feelings around it. And it's been it's been really profound these last uh, this last week and a half. Um, and, and just, yeah, not having any preconceived notion of, about what it should look like. Right. So, I mean, I literally, I, I take some time I'm working and then I'm going to, I'll go lay down on my yoga mat and put my fuzzy blanket over me and just like lay for a few minutes. You know, it's been a bunch of different things, just sitting out in the sun, um, going and getting an infrared sauna. Like it's been a lot of self-care and a lot of, you know, trying to stay out of my head and into my, in, in my heart. Right. So um, that's something I'm, that's going to be the new theme, I think for the, for this next phase of my life is, you know, as soon as we're in our head and I was, I, I, somebody said this today on, on a podcast I was listening to, and it would just really, really resonated with me, but it's like, as soon as we're in our head, we lose 
the ability to really be in the flow of this life and experience this life. And that just like, it was a huge wake up call for me as somebody who's extremely analytical, somebody who likes to stay in our prefrontal cortex. <laughs> and I was like, that is going to be the next half of my life is going to be feeling really dropping in and feeling. And, um, and so I think what a beautiful thing to come out of this grieving process, you know, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And we're heading into our next ayahuasca ceremony here in a couple weeks. And, and, um, and like you said, the integration is so important. It's not like, you know, uh, I guess it, it could, it's not like taking some acid and going to burning man, you know, it's, I, I guess it could be, but you know, if you're doing this for therapeutic reasons, you really want to be working with, um, you know, somebody who's trained that can, um, walk with you through these experiences that you will have. And afterwards, and I'll, I really took the time to integrate after the first one and the second one too, but the first one, um, I'll never forget. We jumped in the RV after we went out to a state park here that didn't have any cell phone service. And it was known for its maple leaves that fell around that time. And me, my husband and our two dogs laid under the stars and um, we had like four nights of that, right? And it was just so, so magical. What a way to like bring that all together. And so just really feeling so much of the feels through this episode. And um, yeah, listener, if you're, if you're feeling a lot of this collective grief, um, just know that you're not alone. Like sometimes I feel like, how can ev- everybody else not fucking see this, what's going on. And then I call Amy and she's like, oh no, I'm tapping into that too. <laughs> I'm like, oh good. You know, cause sometimes it feels like a lot with everything that's happening right now with, with the pandemic and the earth. And so, you know, and then tap on normal life with that, right. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, the whole planet is, is going to be uninhabitable for, for our species and things that are actually happening in our lives too, <laughs> like the pets dying and people dying and all sorts of things. Right. So um, just really feeling that with all of you today. Mm, yes, totally. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about like, what are the solutions and what to do. And one of the things that I want to leave everyone with is that like, there is no right. Oh, all of you, all of you people who like to live in your head are going to hate this right now. <laughs> There's no right way to do this. You know, it's really an invitation to find some safety within and a community that will hold that space for you and and a boundary to set around like, I don't want your feedback or to be told how to do this. I want you to witness it. And, you know, those are words that I really teach in my community is of like, we do not need to give feedback. Sometimes we, we need to sit in the discomfort in our own bodies and hold the space. And just that in itself will teach you so much. Mm, so good. Yeah, so, so good. What a great way to end. And we invite you to come join us in the Optimized Life community. Um, come closer. We, we would love to be in community with you. And so with that, thanks so much for tuning in today. We just so appreciate you. And um, just know that, that we're holding you. Yeah. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening today. 
And the best way that you can support us and the Optimize Life podcast is to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And we would love to gift you the Optimize Life toolkit when you do that. So thank you so much for your support. Thanks again. And to go ahead and grab your copy of the Optimized Life Toolkit, head over to www.jessyonda.com slash the Optimized Life. And we have put together five hacks for you that will finally help you get in the zone all day, every day. Just so you know, we so appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you for joining us on this optimized journey.